feedback! Revenge! I'm mad! You get down with my woman! That ain't right! Hull and cut! That's fat! Get ready, you mother! Revenge! Payback! Revenge! I'm mad! It's your chuckle buddy. Guess who? Jonathan James Ramcharan. Reporting live for duty on this magnificent July 11th in the year of our Lord, 2020. Welcome and bienvenue to Jonathan Ramcharan, the podcast. Sold me out for chicken change. Get ready, you mother, for the big payback. The big payback. Revenge. I'm mad. You get down with my woman. That ain't right. Holland cuss. That's a fact. Get ready, you mother, for the big payback. I'm mad. I'm mad. To an extent. If you're new to the show, Jonathan Ramtra and the podcast, this is a show where I bitch, whine, bellyache, squawk, kabik, and kibitz about myself in order to relate to y'all self, y'all the dear listener, y'all the dear viewer. Shared experiences, kindred souls, BFFs forever. We're all just a bunch of shit logs floating on the surface of the toilet bowl of life, right? You know, it's a toilet flushing. Shared experiences, kindred souls, you know, relatability through understanding, understanding through relatability. We're all human. And, you know, that's kind of like what the show's about, more or less. Then I speak on, you know, current events, the times, the news of the day. Well, you know, pandemic 2020, um, this is a real motherfucker, you know? I'm looking for some payback. Like, I'm mad. Like, the show I put out every week, right? JR the P, Jonathan Ramtran, the podcast. You know, I put out this show every week. And, you know, to be honest with you, it is quite a bit of work, you know. Um, but that's just collateral damage. That goes without saying. Like, I'm very grateful for the listenership, the viewership, and I would never complain about it. But truth be told, there is a lot of work involved. You know what I mean? There's a lot of, like, thought that goes into it, pre- preparation. Then there's editing, You know, like each episode could take about, all said and done, each episode roughly takes about 10 hours to create. I'm getting quicker as I go along, but like, you know, from concept to upload takes about 10 hours. I got to like think it out, write it out, then I got to perform it, then I usually rewatch it, then I edit it, then I mix and render the file, then I upload it. Then I write like a synopsis. Then I timestamp certain episode uh, points. You know, it's a process. It takes time. So what I'm trying to say is, you know, we're a little late this week on the on the podcast. And due in part, due mainly to this sort of I don't want to call it anger, a sort of annoyance that I'm really starting to feel during this pandemic because there is no clear end in sight. None. Measures, protective measures, you know, you know, the closing of certain public facilities, the the pre, the pre uh, what's the word the protective measures the proactive measures that we've been taking for this alleged like we still don't fucking know you know 
Apparently, the coronavirus COVID-19 surfaced in Wuhan province, China, December 2019. Here we are, uh, July 11th, 2020, still no closer to knowing anything. It is the exact same storyline. And what it's doing is it's really illustrating and drawing attention to the holes the holes in government logic, the holes in the societal narrative, the hole, the hole in the societal dream. You know, we're seeing just the deficiencies and the arbitrary nature of this thing that we call society. I mean, if you're not a fucking blind person... Sorry if you're blind. I hope you can at least listen to the podcast. You know, you know I love you. But like, if you're a closed-minded person, maybe this is just water off a duck's ass for you. Quack. Maybe this is something that you wouldn't think about. But it's pretty fucking apparent that there is this gaping hole in logic and reason and an arbitrary power structure and an arbitrary societal makeup that we're seeing during this time. And there's a lot of uncertainty and it's bringing out a lot of, um, you know, underlying tensions, whether that be with, you know, various racial groups, you know, anti-black racism protests, um, anti-racism protests um, for indigenous rights, for um, Asian rights, you know, there's a lot of xenophobia, fear-mongering. Fear, anger, aggression. These are the tenements of the dark side. Fear, anger, aggression. There's all that shit going on with people. You know? Fear makes people act out, lash out, you know? A lot of feminist uh, sentiment is stepping up too. Um, we've seen some developments uh in regards to like the hashtag Me Too movement, the basic uh, societal dialogue and narrative in regards to women's issues, women's rights, cop brutality, police brutality, you know, um, power structures, you know. Did the coronavirus COVID-19 develop uh out of the wet markets of the Wuhan province, wet markets of the Wuhan province, due to the mishandling of, um, you know, livestock? Or did it develop as a biologically engineered weapon used to disrupt global, global economies, used to divert attention from certain... Uh, issues and to crowd people's thoughts and fears in one direction to kind of smoke and mirror and cloak and dagger and divert attention from other issues is it all just a fucking game you know so that's the sentiment i'm feeling and that's why i'm late this week on the podcast because I do a lot of work, you know, um, I do a lot of work on the podcast. Like, um, I had, I had, like, I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, I'm like a week late on the podcast. I had the structure, the outline and the, the, the game plan for this episode in the bag. I had it re- rip roaring, raring to go. I was ready to record like uh, last Thursday. And just something in my chest, something in my being, I went several times to record on some of the, uh, on, on what I was going to put out as this week's, well, this past week. I'm like a week late on the episode. But like what I was going to put out as the newest episode of JR the P I have now reformatted into this you know 
because, you know, I've just been very upset. And I think a lot of people are feeling that sentiment. I don't think I'm like unique in this because, uh, you know, there's just so much going on that it's almost like enough's enough or or what does this really mean or maybe it's time to really regroup and find that strength that has brought us this far moving forward but it's been very much a trying week you know like it has. You know, if you're new to the show, JR the P, Jonathan Ramtran, the podcast, um, as I mentioned, it's a show where I basically talk on myself in order to relate to the audience. And I speak on current events, the things of our time. And, you know, I am an actor. I am an alcoholic. I am a janitor, essential worker. And I am a stand-up comedian, you know, 19 years of service as an actor, 11 years of service as a stand-up comedian, three plus years of sobriety, sobriety, and, you know, many years of service, uh, just work, working, you know, I started working when I was 12, you know, I got a paper route when I was 12. And I've been working pretty much ever since. I'm 33 years old. So what is that? 21 years I have of just basic work experience. College graduate. Young man in this pandemic, allegedly moving towards post-pandemic times. And... Just, I'm starting to feel that annoyance because it's like, it, it all just seems like, in terms, like, there's no real end in sight. And there's a lot of, I don't know what to believe or trust anymore. And I'm getting sick of, I'm getting sick of, I guess, the basic narrative. I'm getting sick of what that's doing to my own sense of, accountability and my own sense of drive it's really kind of neutering me in a sense right it's like I feel empty just like you know not empty but just I feel at the hands of I feel uncertain like, what am I supposed to think? What is anybody supposed to think? You know what I mean? It's like they say, like, oh, we're going to... They keep postponing the the measures. The me- Like, it doesn't even fucking matter anymore. It's just like... Look, nobody knows anything, and basically everything's shut down. And, you know, sometimes things are reopening, but then they get reclosed, and, you know... Who fucking cares? It's just so dumb. It's almost like just shut the fuck up and let us know. Like, wake me up when this shit's over. You know, I'm just going to take a nap here. So instead of bitch whining, belly aching, kabeeking, and kibitzing, what I want to do is have a bit of a career clinic on this episode because basically as i said actor alcoholic janitor stand-up comedian what that means is i am a man on a mission i'm a man in uh on a mission for you know meaning in my life in my career and in my life you know my personal life it's all just a mission so to speak and i think a lot of people uh any person in 2020 hopefully can relate to that. So that's what the frustration is. So a little bit about what's going on. Well, as an actor, um, that I cannot really 
put in the hands of pandemic. That is a very precarious job market to begin with. So in terms of how the pandemic is affecting my acting, not not really. I mean, it's pretty much like this. There's three ways you make it, so to speak, in acting. Uh, it's either A, given to you. You know, nepotism. You're born into it. Like, okay, you're born into some family that's like, you know, into show business. They have connections and they decide to bring you on into the industry early on. Great case example, um, just, just popped into my mind, Jake Gyllenhaal, Maggie Gyllenhaal, you know, very talented actors. I mean, everybody more than likely have heard of them, the Gyllenhaals. From what I know of them, they come from a artistic family. The mother and the father were like in show business to some degree. The dad was like a director, the mother was a director, something along those lines. So when you come through like that, that might not even be the best example because I don't really know how famous their family was. But like, let's say like a, um, okay, like Kiefer Sutherland. I mean, give me a break. Your father's Donald Sutherland. What, you just happened to become an actor because you're talented? Yeah, he's talented, but I mean, come on. You know, it's, you know, why not grab onto a good thing if you can, right? So... It's either A, given to you through nepotism, which I mean, hey, I mean, isn't that the whole goal of being successful to pass on opportunities to your family? So whatever, that's just the way it is. You still have to work hard for it. I mean, there's no way Kiefer Sutherland really, like he, not only did he become an actor, he prospered. So, you know, 24 you know, the television series 24, that was major. So it's like, he, it's not like you're going to prosper as an actor if you're untalented. So obviously he had some talent, but I mean, you know, when you have a famous father, it doesn't hurt, you know? So, but anyways, it's either A, it's given to you, a break into the business. Two, um, you just luck ass backwards into it. That happens. Like, uh, I don't know, people randomly just kind of fall into it. Um, you know, uh, like for example, Ashton Kutcher. I recently heard him on an episode of, uh, WTF with Mark Marin. Uh, apparently Ashton Kutcher, you know, very great comedic actor, the 70s show. Uh, that 70s show, um, I think his latest thing was The Ranch on like uh, online streaming. Apparently, from his story, he was like just drinking at a bar one day and uh, this lady walks up to him and is like, oh, hey, you know, you're very, you got a very interesting, handsome look to you. Have you ever considered modeling? And he's just like, no, what? Yeah, sure, I don't know, whatever. And his parents were like, what the fuck? Are you going to become a model? That's stupid. Don't do it. I mean, he had supportive parents, but I mean, it is a long shot and it is kind of random and weird. Like, what, you're just going to throw all your eggs into the modeling basket? And even in his own account, there were years where he was kind of taken advantage of in a sense. Like, but I mean, really, you're getting paid to model. So, I mean, what kind of complaint can you really have? But then again, what do I know about modeling? But anyways, the point being, he just kind of lucked into this opportunity. It wasn't something that he even thought about. And then from his experiences, he got savvy. He developed his talent. And, you know, he was very entrepreneurial. He invested his money from television into like production companies, uh, IT technologies, stuff like that. So, you know, he, he used his ability and and he progressed. So, you know, but that's like a, come on. Like, who, who does that happen to? That doesn't happen. That happens like, like how many percent of uh, productive working actors have that story? Like what? Point one 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 percent like doesn't happen. <laughs> it just it doesn't happen. That's that's a very that's a rare story.
So it's either it's given to you, you look ass backwards into it, or talented, you know, if you're just that raw of a talent that people need to work with you. I mean, in this day and age, I think it's a little harder to showcase that as it was in the past because there's just more hunger, more, I guess, delusion, self-importance. A lot of people really see the the financial and power benefit of being famous. They don't really, a lot of people don't really give a fuck about being an actor rather than to just make money and be famous and in the power that comes with that. But back in the day, sometimes, you know, when it was kind of like, you know, like, let's say the golden age of cinema, people weren't really studying and clamoring to be actors back then. It was something that was very kind of specialized in a sense. You know, you had to have a real interest and hunger and about you. It wasn't just, you know, there wasn't this, you know, clickbait, you know, point and shoot type of cinematography that any old swing and dick could stumble into for the sake of becoming famous, Right. So, you know, you had guys like Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, Meryl Streep, you know, um, Diane Keaton, these type of actors and actresses, you know, um, you know, Sidney Poitier, you know, throw a brother into the mix. These type of performers that through the grit of their talent became undeniable, right? So that's also an avenue. And then there's just a straight up hard work where it's like, um, hey, you learn the craft, you stand and you deliver. You just bang it out, right? You just, you're going to be here for the long haul. I ain't going nowhere. You plant yourself and you just keep rocking with the blows. You know, you just keep exchanging those blows. That's an actor fighting for you. You just keep, you just keep on given those blows so what so um anyway you know so there you have it those are like the four like uh ways in which you would do it as an actor it's like have it be given to you fall ass backwards into it you know um really be talented i mean and even then that's falls kind of into the luck category because it's like there's so many talented people, especially on the internet these days. I mean, go on YouTube, for example. There's probably dozens of actors and comics that are quite talented. But, I mean, their talent is really only relative to the luck and to the hard work they're willing to put in. So it really comes down to have it be given to you uh, through, like, you know birthright almost have it be given to you luck out or work hard so you know those those avenues those realities of the acting thing uh don't really apply to covid19 you know um but when it comes to stand-up comedy yeah Comedy, yeah, that's forever changed because of COVID-19. Uh, and I don't know how to feel about it, but that is, I see it being forever changed due to COVID-19. Because due to, due to technology, so many comedians can get a presence online, whether it be through like a podcast you know, a sketch comedy show, a webcast, you know, like a, a, what do they call it? A webisode? Webisodes? Is that what they call it? A web series. So like web series, podcasts, vodcasts, releasing your own stand-up comedy special on YouTube. That's an option for any comedian, you know? So with all these online options... It's kind of like what I've come to learn recently about economics, where it's like one basic principle is like the more you flood 
a resource, the less the value becomes, in a sense, right? So, which isn't necessarily true because, you know, if the fans like you, then the fans like you and they're willing to go and see you perform live, have a vested interest in your career. So I don't know if that's really true. That's not really the point I'm trying to make here about flooding the market. But basically, it's like this. With the click of a button, you have access to any type of comedy you want in this day and age. Whether it be sketch comedy, sitcom, stand-up comedy, podcast, vodcast, you know? So the so with that accessibility, and also within a, a broad range of um, production quality, you can go on YouTube and have, you know, grassroots, low budget, you know, uh, kind of, I guess, kind of gritty, kind of for the people, by the people, like kind of podcast situation like this. I mean, owner operator here, JR the P, Jonathan Ramchand on the podcast, you know, by the sweat of my own brow, you know, this type of shit on YouTube to like, you know, thousands, hundreds of thousands, even million dollar projects, you know, on YouTube, on streaming platforms. So there's a wide range of, um, quality, you know, production value in regards to comedy as well. So what that means is traditional avenues of performing for the stand-up comedian, I believe, are forever changed due to technology and due to COVID-19. Because it was already a tough sell, a tough sell to... Um, sell comedy. You know, I, I'm a stand-up comedian here in Toronto, Canada. And one of the problems is, well, that's for me to know and you to find out. Because, you know, um, I'm very grateful for what I have and I do have information. I do have knowledge. So I'm not just going to give away what I know. You know what I mean? Like, it's one thing, and I hope... I can have a career where I'm graced, where I can help and affect people and, you know, do well for myself and, and be able to give back to my artistic community, you know. Perhaps in the future, if all goes well, maybe I can mentor people. Maybe I can help them. But right now, I'm down there in the gutter. I'm down in the dumps. Uh, I'm down there in the trenches, swinging it out with all the other men and women and transgendered comedians, performers. So it's like... Why should I just give away this information? But suffice to say, um, there are challenges that are apparent in comedy. And this whole technology slash pandemic has really exposed what I believe, in my opinion, the future of stand-up comedy, at least for the foreseeable future, for what is foreseeable, for what is foreseeable, <laughs> to be redundant. Because, like, stand-up comedy is a tough sell. And what the sell is, is basically, um, who are you? Who are you? What is your brand of comedy? Why should I listen to you? So it's not about... Um, it's not necessarily about... If somebody should listen to you. It's about why should they listen to you as a comic. Because there is a market for every type of humor. Right? So that's not the question. Like, if... Like, let's say you're a, like for myself, I'm a pretty open-minded, urban, slash, 
I'm kind of like down the middle. I have like, I'm like a fence sitter. I'm a bit of a weirdo, ex-alcoholic, kind of edgy, kind of corny musical theater, geeky, you know, disgruntled yet empathetic, you know, sarcastic yet, you know, accommodating. Like, I'm pretty down the middle, you know? I don't really have... But then again, that's my perception. What I'm basically trying to say is, <clears throat> from the hack of the hacks, such as myself, to the, uh, I don't know, most innovative of innovative comedian, there's room for every genre. So the question isn't if you have a place at the table. It's more so why, right? People want to know why they should listen to you as a comedian. And usually what that why is, is like a credit. You did the Tonight Show. Um, I don't know. You did a movie. You have a long list of tours that you've been on that you can credit, which gives people more confidence in you, right? You have a podcast that you can use as a reference. So... The why is very important for the comedian. And why people should listen to you, you know, which is your credits, ideally. The method in which to get to that, you know, how, how you get to the why is through, you know, the basic channels of command. You know, how you get to the why is through the basic channels of command. Stand-up comedy has always been basically open mic, you know, refine your comedy at an open mic, take your comedy then to a comedy club. If it bodes well there, you get more gigs, you get more um, networking, you get on the road, you develop your name, and then from there, you progress. You know, um, whether that be television, movies, your own, you know, radio show, podcast, whatever. Like, that's like the typical channel. How you get to the why. How you get to the reason why people should listen to you is usually through independent shows which translate to better shows, which translate to even better shows, which translates to being a household name, right? Yeah. Well, that how, if you follow me, I know this might be a little, well, I don't want to insult your intelligence, you know. <laughs> Maybe I am being crystal clear. Sometimes I don't feel like I am. That's my own... Uh, Self-deprecation, I guess. But, um... The how. Which is like, um, you know... These independent shows, these open mics. That's what's being affected by this COVID-19. That's done. That is done. Kiss it goodbye. <laughs> Should I wear a mask when I do that? Kiss it goodbye. Like, why? Why should people listen to you, right? So let's say you're an unknown comic and you go to, like, uh, you know, try to produce your own shows post-pandemic. Okay, well, why would somebody go see an unknown comedian post-pandemic, you know, Risk potential infection. Who knows how long this paranoia will be in the societal mindset. This could stem for years into the future. This whole social distancing thing. Who knows? It's not very clear. It's been at least, what? December, January, February, March, April, May, June, July. Like seven, eight months. It's been like seven or eight months of 
social distancing paranoia, who knows how long this is going to go into the future? Who knows? So why is somebody going to leave the comfort of their home, risk infection to go see an unheard of comedian when they could A, just go online, YouTube, Facebook, whatever, Facebook, well, people post on Facebook, I guess, but like, I don't know, YouTube, different streaming streaming services, Spotify, iTunes, why would they leave the comfort of their home to go see some unknown comedian when they can have access to, you know, very talented, very competitive comedians in the comfort of their own home? And if they do like you as a comedian through those uh, avenues of exposure, then they will pay to see you in the future. That's generally speaking how it works. You build up your reputation through better gigs, podcasts, television experiences, appearances, film. You build up your resume and then you build up a following that will that will pay to see you. You know, you you know you have reasonable ticket prices. You're in the neighborhood. If you have a fan, ideally they will come see you, right? So that's generally how it works. But that initial how, those those independent shows where you cut your teeth, where you develop your act. These open mics, these independent shows, Zed's dead, baby. Zed's dead. They're fucking dead, man. Like, they were already on the downswing due to technology, due to, um, especially where I live in Toronto, like, it's such a tough sell because it's like we have some very competitive sports teams as well. You go and you 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 put up an open mic. Well, you're competing with like the Toronto Raptors. <laughs> you're competing with like uh I mean maybe not the Maple Leafs, but even them, people would much rather watch them fail than some unknown comedian, right? So, it's like technology has really brought about a disinterest in comedian open mics. And especially COVID-19 going forward, it's almost like the nail in the coffin. Like there's always a home for like uh, live music. You know, live performance in music is like different. You can have a drink, you can dance, you can talk, you can socialize. Stand-up comedy requires attention. You have to sit and listen to the comedian in order to appreciate the process. Whereas music, it can be in the background and, you know, you can be free to socialize and move around. So for that reason, it's a, comedy is a tough sell because you got a lot of whack-ass comics out there and you know, arguably myself included, you know, I'm not for everybody. So, you know, you got all these comics at these open mics. A lot of times the bar is not really happy to have them. They don't bring an audience. They're really not that good at what they do. They just kind of stink up the night. It's awkward. Customers just stare at these idiots like, what the fuck? You know, no wonder you're an amateur. Oh, you're, you're no good. Criticisms. So, you know, that's what I see moving forward is like the death of independent comedy. Um, independent comedy reliant upon kind of like an unaware public. Right. Basically, basically, basically put, there is no interest in the public mind for an unknown comedian. And typically, how you used to come up as a comedian was through the grace and the graciousness 
of an open mic, of these lower gigs that gave you the chance for exposure, gave you the chance to develop. You had this grace period in which to kind of cultivate your act, to take it on to better gigs and, um, you know, develop. There's no longer a grace in the public perception for an unknown comedian. It's like you got to have something that they want to see. And if they want to see it, then boom, you're in. Ideally, but the come up is now very different. It's very different. Doesn't mean you can't do it. It's just that the traditional way is dead. The open mic, these independent shows, they're dead. No one's going to those anymore. You know, it was a tough sell before, man. There was like no interest before pandemic almost due to all this change in technology and, you know, due to a boom too in comedy where it's like you got so many comedians now that people want to see that they're dying to see that it's almost like they have a disinterest in anything that isn't, you know, famous or, you know, viral in these uh, times of the internet. If you're not viral, then you ain't worth a damn. So, hmm, that's kind of what's going on. And I don't really feel any way about it because it's like, there's always a silver lining because like for any comedian who's actually out there hacking it, you, you, you soon realize that these open mics, as grateful as you can be for them, they suck a donkey dick, bro. Like they just suck balls. Like there ain't no need to be there. It's not like you're learning anything. I mean... After, okay, okay, look, I would put it this way. Let's say you had zero, zero stage experience. Then you became a stand-up comedian on an amateur level. Like, you know, you did, you were an open micer for a year. After your first year of open micing, that's much, that's more than enough apprentice time to, okay, now you got the basics. You got the idea of standing on a stage delivering to an audience. Whether it's a bunch of disgruntled, unappreciative, unattentive comedians, or it's a smattering of, you know, oh, there's two people in the audience. Like, no matter what the shitty audience is, you now have experience on stage as a comedian. So you no longer really need an open mic. It's just an exercise in uh, futility. In a sense, because it's like you're just going up and telling jokes to an unattentive audience. I did a show last year. There was nobody in the audience. I was literally standing on the stage talking to an empty room until other comedians started showing up. <laughs> I guess that's the love of the game, but it's also like the pathetic desperation of, you know, show business. Unfortunately, the ugly underbelly. So what I'm saying is like all this stuff is making me think and, uh, you know, going forward, you know, as I mentioned, I work as a janitor. I've also been talking about the romanticized notion of the starving artist, you know, everything I mentioned as a struggling actor, as a struggling comedian that falls under the heading of starving artist you know people have that romanticism that it means something the more i live it i start to wonder what it what what does it mean what because i struggle in obscurity that somehow qualifies me for something i guess audiences are always searching for a certain authenticity in a performer we seek an authenticity in any relationship we have whether it be with like a friend, a family member, a lover, teachers, you know, community figures. We seek authenticity. So it ain't no different from the performer. But that idea of the starving artist who suffers indefinitely in obscurity, you know, they, they, they battle with addiction issues, substance issues. They're just waiting for that one lucky break. It's a bit of a fool's paradise. It's a bit of hogwash. Because, you know, what I've come to learn is, like, even though I've done it, I've, 
you know, I battled my alcoholism, um, down and out, living in men's shelters, shuffling from one shitty gig to the next. I played every dive, shit, hick bar, every fucking god-awful fucking horse post in this godforsaken town, Toronto, Canada. I bumbled throughout this city, this country, and, you know, to really no avail. <clears throat> I mean, I wouldn't want it any other way. It's my story. But, I mean, I don't really see this I see the gratitude in the journey I see the respect I can have in myself to know that I stood up to the plate and took a swing but I don't see it as this overall define I mean I wouldn't wish it upon anybody I wouldn't recommend it to anybody it's like what I would recommend is like okay be as healthy as you can, spiritually, mentally, and physically. Work at your craft. Support yourself. You know, there's no need for you to struggle and, and languish in obscurity. You know, not a pot to piss in, not a dollar to rub together. There's no point in that. What the fuck does that mean? Just be authentic in yourself. Be as healthy, spiritually, mentally, and physically as you can. And just keep working, keep working towards your goal. That's what I would suggest. Because what does it mean? Like, can I put that on my resume? Jonathan Ramcharan, burnt out alcoholic, um, ex-homeless man, uh, you know, raging fucking alcoholic, uh, you know, played over a hundred, uh, over several hundred fucking open mics, um, living in obscurity, you know, that makes me an artist. Like, am I going to put that on my fucking resume? Like, what does that mean? I mean, I don't know. Some people think it has, like, some sort of value. I think it's really just the stroking of one's ego, or it's like the... I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't... Because I know there's a part of me that I say that and it feels kind of like it's almost being like facetious, you know, like tongue in cheek, you know, like, yeah, I've struggled and I've strived and I had my ups and downs, but that doesn't mean anything. Yeah, yeah, I really am an artist, but that doesn't mean anything. Like it, it almost seems kind of insincere in itself. But it's basically, which is relatable across industry, it's like you just basically have to work at it. And how that comes about is like through the grit of your own merit and hunkering down and taking accountability. Some people can't swallow that. It's hard to stomach. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine, you know, I, I guess like a coworker. Uh, we get along and she's a nice person. But I guess it's kind of strange. Like, I was talking about just how I was feeling in terms of pandemic and life situations and politics and just my worldview, basically. And I was saying, you know what? There's a lot of pain and suffering and disparity and inequality and arbitrary nonsense that goes on in this topsy-turvy world of ours. But 80% of people's problems can be alleviated if they just adopt self-accountability. Adopt a sense of accountability, adopt a sense of self-reliance, and you will see your life improve at least by 80%. I mean, I could sit here, bitch, wine, squawk, cabellier, kibitz, and kabik about my place in the world, you know? But at the end of the day, it's like, well, no, um... I'm gainfully employed as a, uh, you know, essential worker. I have my goals. I have my education in performing. I have my experience in performing. My experience in performing, my education in my performing, my um, health, my, you know, financial stability, as humble as it is, you know, it's as stable as I've ever been. And, you know, I'm, I'm moving forward. And, you know, where my frustration and my annoyance is coming in is like, what does this all really mean? 
You know, how, how long are we supposed to sit around in the dark wondering what this all means? And, you know, how do I, how do I make these moves? Yeah, because it's like, I know that there are certain things that have changed in my industry as a actor, as a comic, that are just undeniably, they've changed. Whether I like it or not, they've changed. There's no real sense of, will it go back to normal? They've changed, and it's like, now i got to adjust. And the frustration is where it's like, well, here we are seven, eight months into this thing, and there's still no real... For all we know, this could all just be one big boondoggle, one big fucking farce, you know, some spoof that's been played on the societal outlook by the powers that be. Or it could truly be a case of, you know, a wet market in Wuhan being contaminated by unkempt livestock, you know? Who fucking knows? And that's what was that's what's been riding on my shoulders the last week or so. And I think this is relatable to anybody across industry. Anybody striving for some growth in themselves, some growth in their career, some growth in their relationships. Um my way forward is self-reliance, and personal accountability. You know, as I mentioned, as I said that to my friend, I said people's problems basically come down to accepting accountability and adopting some responsibility. She's like, well, there's extenuating circumstances. There's this, there's that. It's not as easy as it seems. Yes, the world is a very complex place. Issues run deep. You know, there is no cut and dry, black and white way to look at things. There's lots of shades of gray, 50 shades of gray. But, you know, everyone can move forward to a sense of meaning if they adopt some personal accountability. That's what my recovery taught me, 12-step program. You know, I'm three plus years sober today. If I laid back and said, you know what? There's so many instances in my life where I was mistreated, I was wronged, which I was, you know, irregardless of my own accountability, to my own culpability in the matter, regardless of the fact that, you know, I was drinking every day, I was an obnoxious, arrogant prick, I was, there was times when I was very self-centered, you know, regardless of that, I'm a victim, and on top of which, I'm black. And, you know, that means I'll never have a chance in this world. And blah, blah, blah. And wah, wah, wah. Even though these are very valid arguments and there is systemic racism, don't get me wrong. You know, don't go clapping for me yet. You know, if you think I'm like, you know, trying to tear down my own, my own kind. Like, no, there is very real issues of systemic racism. There are very real issues of abuse that people deal with and, you know, an unfair roll at the dice. You know, people are born into third world countries run by dictators that don't give a fuck about human life. You know, totalitarian regimes where you're not even free to use the fucking internet to order a pizza. You know, like people live in these fucked up worlds that they don't even have a chance at nothing. And it's like... Yeah, there are extenuating circumstances. One way to regain some sense of meaning and some sense of stability is through your own accountability and self-reliance. And it's so hard because as I mentioned, there's all these different factors affecting my career um, as an actor, as a comedian, as an essential worker. And that, in turn, you know, affects how I look at my personal life. You know, like, I'm a 33-year-old man. 
how do I want to see and envision the rest of my life? Am I going to become a father? Am I going to be in a long-term relationship? What does this all mean, right? It affects a lot. So it's like looking at all these things, you know, I'm trying to have more accountability. You know, I'm trying not to make everything bend to my will and what is ideal and what is the way things should be rather than what is the accountability I can take and what can I do to better the situation and um, stay strong because it's tough, you know. Um, If it weren't as tough, I would have had this podcast out Last week on a totally different subject, which I'm going to return to. I have a very interesting subject I want to talk about. It's going to be on the next episode or two. But I couldn't stay in that mindset the last couple of weeks, the last week, because this, this, this sense of fear, anger, aggression, these are the tenements of the dark side. This fucking, you know, payback. Revenge! I'm mad! You know? Get rid of you mother for the big payback. Holland cuss! You know? I was feeling at odds with things and just kind of pissy. And, you know, I think rightfully so. But, you know, I also have the tools within. And these are tools that we all have. Personal accountability. I mean, you got eyes, you got ears, you got mouth, you know. You can hear things, you can see things, you can have an opinion, voice it, you know. You can, you know, have the power to create a heaven in your own life instead of like the turmoil of hell. When you're at odds with yourself, denying yourself what you feel you need in order to flourish when you're at you know when you're at your your spouse's throat when you're always arguing and bickering with your wife or your husband or your friends or your family like just cut to the chase get down to the meat and potatoes of the damn matter take some accountability and some responsibility and you know move forward to that better day and you know that's what I've been doing here at JR the P for the past two plus years of service um, I'm pretty proud of that that's what the show's been about since day one and you know I'm still proud of the fact that like I, I haven't even even in this episode I haven't really really gotten into the nitty-gritty of it I haven't really bitch whined and bellyached the way I could I haven't gone down the route of, you know, there are a lot of, um, you know, they wish and they wish on me, you know, and they wish and on me. Bad things. Yeah, a lot of bad things. They'd be wishing on me, right? No one in particular, but just the unfeeling, cynical, cruel, cold winds of, you know, an unfucking caring world, you know? What you think people are happy to see you as a performer? Like, think about it. One of the problems that a lot of people face in this world is that, you know, it's run on cynicism. People are motivated by self-interest, you know? So generally speaking, most people are interested in themselves. Generally speaking, most people are fearful, resentful. Um, They consider themselves victims. They consider themselves powerless. Generally speaking, I mean, they might conceal it. You know, they might, oh, good morning. Hi, how are you? Oh, good. Oh, yeah, I'll do the basic civil duty of one who walks around wearing the mask, the societal mask. Good morning. Hi. Yes, I'll hold the door for you. Uh, Basic civility. But like when it comes down to the meat and potatoes of it, the nitty gritty, a lot of these people, they're so overrun by fear, anger, aggression, that to a person trying to excel or just basically get out of get out from behind the eight ball just just to turn a lousy buck in this fucking godforsaken world dealing with the average person could be a fucking headache 
most people are just so twisted in their own self-centeredness, their own ego and arrogance, that they can't even see the forest for the trees. You know? So, you know, I was trying to make the point that, like, you know, do you think people are happy to see... Like, I, I, I haven't really gone down the path of self-loathing that I could in regards to some of the negatives of a career in performing. I haven't really elaborated on a lot of them. But suffice to say, do you think people are happy to hear that I'm a performer? Like, think about that. You're an everyday Joe. You know, you blame the world for all your problems. You take no accountability. Everything's somebody else's fault. Why is everybody always picking on me? Life's so tough. Blah, blah, blah. Now you're stuck at some stupid job, you know. You feel unfulfilled, X, Y, and Z. Then all of a sudden, your coworker turns to you and says, Hey, you know what, man? Bet you didn't know this about me, but I have a dream to be a, uh, you know, fiddler. I play the fiddle. And, you know, I've always loved playing the fiddle, and I would love it if you checked out my fiddle channel. You know, um, DJ Fiddle on fucking Spotify. Would you check out my YouTube, my YouTube fiddle channel? Well, that disgruntled person who blames the world for all their failures, what, you think they're going to have some fucking... Oh, sure, I'm going to help you get your dream. Sure, I'm going to help lift you out of this hell. Sure. The average person is, from my experience, (laughs) I hate to report, the average person, they're out for themselves. Doesn't mean that that's always a bad thing because, you know, I am also of the belief that self-interest serves the general public. That's like an economic viewpoint that a lot of um, economics, economists believe in, you know, self-interest serves the general public, you know, like why does somebody open up a barbecue restaurant because they give a fuck if their neighbors eat barbecue chicken? No, it's because they can make money selling barbecue chicken. And if they do a good, decent job of it, the neighbors will appreciate having a good, decent barbecue spot to go get barbecue chicken. Henceforth, therein, private interest serves the general public. Right? So it's not always a bad thing to have people self-interested. It's just the basic guiding force of humanity (laughs) self-interest you know so i mean be that as it may luckily i feel i feel good that i haven't gone down the path of complete loathing but um these are the things that i face as a performer and if it's relatable to anybody out there struggling to get theirs and get their own it's tough in this time of pandemic And I hope this has been some interesting insight to you into the world of performing, into the world of, you know, uh, you know, into the world of post-pandemic, into the world of, you know, basic societal outlook and, you know, what fuels that and what expectations and hopes and changes and growth can be derived from that, you know? It's, uh, you know, it's something that I'm in striving, it's something that I'm striving to figure out. And as soon as I know, I'm going to let you in on the secret. But um, it's a day-by-day process for me as well. I, I very much thank you for your listenership. And as always, you know, good things to come here on JR the P, Jonathan Ramchand, the podcast. Thank you very much for your attention. 
It's your old chuckle buddy, guess who? Jonathan James Ramtran, reporting live for duty on this magnificent July 11th in the year of our Lord, 2020. Eh, I was a little, I was a little bit constipated this week, right? You know, I was a little backed up. And, you know, had to get it off my chest. Thank you very much for listening. This is like a bit of a career clinic, a bit of a, uh, you know, regrouping. And, you know, while there is no end in sight, while this pandemic situation is like, ugh, it's like herpes, baby, it's here to stay. But at least we can grow from it. Hopefully there'll be some sort of cure and, um, you know, we'll move forward to a better day. Hallelujah. You can get me on, you know, multiple platforms. iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, my own website, jonathan-ramcharan.com. If you're enjoying the show, please share me with a friend. Help my black ass out for crying out loud. Aight? Till next time, folks. You live it, you love it, you realize it. Aight? Peace.